Well, hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome to Twisted Perspective's new series called Divine Secrets, where we will be taking a journey that will lead us through the book of Esther, where we will learn of a spiritual roadmap that very well may become a path that leads us directly to the heart of God. I'm your host from Blood of the Lamb Ministries, Jody Coward. Well, glory to God, brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, surely you don't think that Esther went directly from having the title of a peasant to having the title of queen, do you? No, 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 it didn't. There was a process, and in the case of Esther and all of the 1,400 other virgins, it was a protocol of preparations, preparations that would take these ladies 12 months to complete, 365 days. And I know you're probably saying, Jody, you got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. Here's my point. Have you ever noticed that the more important an event or a day is, the longer the process of getting ready for it is? Have you ever noticed that the more important the event is, the more important the preparations become? That hopefully the day or the event will go off smoothly or without a hitch, as they say. Here's some examples. In 1996, the Summer Olympics were held in Atlanta, Georgia from July the 19th until August the 4th. It took the city of Atlanta almost six years of preparations to prepare for this event, and they spent $1.7 billion in preparations. And in my study of all these Olympics, on an average, it, it takes four to eight years for a city to prepare for the Olympics to come to their city. Another example is a bride-to-be. They have been known to take a year or even longer to prepare for her big day. I know in me and Donna's case, my mama and Donna and several of the other ladies, Donna's mama, it took them well over a year to prepare for me and Donna to be married. And that happened just for you ladies out there. I know the day and the time. July the 4th, 1980 at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it was a Saturday. See if your husbands know that kind of information about your anniversary. (laughs) Teenage girls have been known to take weeks to prepare for their prom nights. I know that's true with my own daughter. She had several proms that we prepared for throughout her tenure in, in schools. Sports teams and sports venues, they take time and preparations to prepare for their days. For example, Super Bowl cities. They know for years in advance that the Super Bowl is coming to their city, and they take those years to prepare for that event to come to their town. And, you know, on an average, I think it lasts maybe like a week or so. Those things don't just happen. These preparations and getting ready are very important. So I want to go back to our last episode just for a moment. I closed with two questions. What does our beauty treatments consist of? Second question, how do you think we smell to our king? Now, in my study of this over over all these years, I still study it today. I studied for this lesson today. I studied probably for a week. In the book of Exodus, chapter 30, verses 34 through 36, we read about the altar of incense. It was an altar specifically made to burn incense on. And in verses 34 through 36, God gave them the recipe for this incense. And it was only to be specifically used in the tabernacle. It was to be consecrated and holy, set apart for God's purposes. What is this word incense? What does that imply? 
Incense implies a very sweet-smelling aroma, much like the ladies' spa treatments of oil and perfume. In Psalms chapter 141, verses 1 through 2, we read, God, give ear to my voice. When we cry to you, let my prayer rise like fragrant incense, rising up as my offering as I lift my hands and worship to you. In Revelation chapter 8, we read about the 24 elders holding the golden bowls of incense, which is the prayers of the saints. So with all this emphasis on incense, this is interesting. The prime root of the Hebrew word incense means the fumigation of a closed-in space, a sweet-smelling perfume. Here again, it sounds just like the virgin ladies and their spa treatments. Now I want you to understand that because of these ladies' perfume and oil soaks, they would last for hours. You could actually smell one of them before you could see them. Now imagine if all of them were walking down a hall. You could literally smell them before they got to you. And say you were 500 yards away, you could probably smell them before they ever got to you. If our prayers are a sweet-smelling aroma rising up to our King, how do you think your prayers smell to God? Let's go look at what Jesus said about us praying. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, it's known as the Sermon on the Mount. I like to refer to it as the culture of the kingdom because Jesus is teaching us how citizens of his kingdom should act. And in chapter 6, Jesus teaches us how we should pray. He even gives us a model to pray. He teaches us not to be like the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody pretending to be something they're not. I know when I go to God, I know that he is everything, then I am nothing. Matter of fact, there are many, many times over the years, even still today, that I tell God, I'm coming to you and I am nothing, but you are everything. I am nothing but what you created. I am nothing but a handful of dirt, and on my best day, I'm just mud. Jesus taught us to pray in private. Jesus taught us to not be repetitive in our prayers. Just a question, how many times have you prayed the same prayer to God day after day after day until something happened and, and you got your need met? Jesus taught us that our Father knows what we have need of even before we ever ask Him. In verse number 8 of chapter 6, we read about the, what is known as called the Lord's Prayer. Jesus starts and opens the prayer with praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, my friends, is worship. Secondly, he taught us to pray that our daily needs would be met. Thirdly, he taught us about forgiveness, that we should forgive others as we've been forgiven. Uh-oh, nobody likes to talk about forgiveness. Then he taught us to ask God to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Fifthly, he returns to worship and praise. Now here's a little side note. In Mark 11, chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, we read that if we believe we receive when we ask it, we'll have it. And I totally 100% believe that. But in verse 25, Jesus said, if you remember that you haven't forgiven somebody while you're praying, then you need to stop and forgive them. Now, I want to say this about forgiveness. 
If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, it's like you drinking poison and hoping that the person you hold the unforgiveness to dies. When really the poison is poisoning you, everybody you love, and everybody around you, all because you have unforgiveness in your heart. And I personally believe it creates a barrier between your prayers and God hearing your prayers. Forgive those that we've been forgiven. It's not a recommendation. It's not if you think it's a good idea. It is a commandment from our king. Now I want to take all of that, put it in a big old pot, and set it on the back burner for a minute. And then I want to ask you, have you ever really studied the prayers of Paul? I mean studied them. You might have read them, but have you really studied them? Can you answer me, how did Paul pray? Can you answer me, what did Paul pray for? Well, I'm so glad you asked, because we're going to go look. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, this is the prayers of Paul. He prayed that they would have a spirit of wisdom. He prayed that they would have a revelation to know him. He prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened so that they would know exactly what God was calling them to do. He prayed that they would come to know the riches of his glory. We read that and we think the first thing we think riches, we think money. And that ain't what that's talking about. You need to go study that. See there, have you ever really studied the prayers of Paul? That we would know the riches of his glory that we would experience the immeasurable greatness of his power that has been made available to all of us who believe through our faith. He prayed that we would be aware of this power so that our lives would be an advertisement for his immense power that is working through us. Down in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 15 through 19, Paul prayed that Christ would dwell in us through our faith. He prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in love. He prayed that we would come to know and have a personal experience with the height, the length, the width, the depth of the love of God that he has through Christ Jesus. He prayed that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Down in Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14, Paul prayed that we would be filled with the knowledge of his perfect will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He prayed that we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work for the advancement of his kingdom. He prayed that we would increase in our knowledge of God and be strengthened with all might through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. Here's another question. I know I, I, I think of some weird things. I know that. Sometimes I feel like I'm alone on that, but that's okay. I don't mind being alone. God is with me. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Amen. Hallelujah. What is God's favorite smell? What do you think he likes to smell the most? I personally think I figured it out. In Psalm 51, verses 16 through 17, and in Psalm 34, verse 18, it says these words in some way, shape, or form. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves those who have a contrite spirit. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's what he was talking about. So what is a contrite heart? What is a contrite spirit? What does that mean? 
Contrite simply means being humbled by your own past sins and your own failures. Ladies and gentlemen, I can promise you this. The day that the Holy Spirit walked into my living room, I was totally and completely humbled by the power that stood before me. I knew all of my failures. I knew all of my sins. And what's more, I knew that he knew. And I was totally humbled by his graciousness. I was totally humbled by his mercy. I was totally humbled by his immense love. Being contrite is simply being humbled by all of your failures. None of us are perfect. None of us ever will be perfect. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when you recognize that in yourself, Jesus even gave an example uh, about the Pharisee and the, and the sinner. And the Pharisee, his, his prayer was, God, I thank you that I'm not like that sinner. Don't be like that. That's not a contrite spirit. That is not being humbled by your failures. I believe that when we're humbled by our failures and we know that God is everything and that we are nothing, I believe that when we know that and we express that to God that we know that, I believe he loves that smell and I believe that he comes running to it. So now then, we've learned what God hates. We've seen how Jesus has taught us to pray. We've seen how and what the Apostle Paul prayed. We've learned that God loves those who have a broken heart and those who have a crushed spirit. So here's some more questions for you, ladies and gentlemen. How does all this measure up to how you pray? I know that's a tough question. But how does it measure up to how Paul prayed? How does it measure up to how Jesus taught you to pray? Next, which one of these prayers are a sweet rising fragrance like incense up to your king and up to your father? Which do you think your father would rather smell? Next, do you spend more time worshiping and praising or do you spend more time asking God to meet your needs? I know these are tough questions, but all of these relate to how you smell to God when you come to him. In short, this is my personal belief that the more time we spend worshiping God and praising God and telling God how great he is, telling God how wonderful his son is, reminding God of all the things Jesus has done for us and through us, reminding God of all the things that Jesus did in the, in the Gospels. I think when we spend more time doing that, that we smell better to God. I personally do really believe that. I know as a father especially when my daughter was little, I loved the times that she would come and sit on my lap just to tell me she loved me. Every morning she sends me a good morning text and I absolutely love it. She sends hugs and kisses. She sends me these little memes, I think they're called. And Daddy, I love you this much. And they're just beautiful. I love it. God is no different. He loves it when we just go tell him how much we love him, how much we love his son, and how much his son has done for us. He loves it. So, which do you spend more time on? Father God, I lift my listeners up to you, everybody in the sound of my voice, Father. 
I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Great walls of fire and glory encompassed all about them. Father, I thank you, much like the Apostle Paul, that they are filled with the knowledge of your perfect will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I ask you, Father, to illuminate their minds and enlighten the eyes of their understanding concerning their prayers and how they smell to you, Father, how their prayers should be sweet-smelling aroma incense rising up to you that you can't wait to sniff and get a whiff of. I ask you, Father, to cause your face down and shine upon them, Father, and bless them and keep them. I ask you, Father, to set upon them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who they are in Jesus. I ask you, Father, that they would be rooted and grounded in your immense love and that they would come to know by an experience, Father, the height, the width, the depth, and the length of the love that you have for them through Christ Jesus our Lord. I give you praise and glory for all of it. Father, I thank you for wonderful reports that come in about people learning divine secrets of how to act in the protocols of a kingdom and before you. In Jesus' name, Father, I give you praise. I give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, guys, before we go, I got a really quick announcement that I'm very excited about. Gentleman named Aaron Michaels. Love the man dearly. You've heard his music on the last three or four episodes. Uh, one song was called My Desire. Uh, forget the second song, but the third song that we've used is called uh, Faith Over Fear, which I believe personally fits really good with the story of Esther. It took an immense amount of faith on this lady's behalf to go before her king and her husband, knowing good and well she could have been killed. Faith over fear. Anyway, Aaron Michaels and the Blood of the Lamb Ministries and Twisted Perspectives are fixing to merge into ministry together. And Aaron and I both are believing for God to perform many miracle signs and wonders and that many would come to a knowledge of repentance. For God is not willing that any man should perish, but that all men should come to the knowledge of repentance of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to need you guys' prayers on this 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 venture. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. I know Aaron's excited about it. And we ought to be launching it out very quickly within the next couple of months. I would think so anyway. Uh, Aaron has been rearranging his schedule and getting things prepared on his end. I've been getting things prepared on my end to go out and bring glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm so excited about it. I just would love for y'all to be praying about it. I want y'all to know that. I want y'all to know that I'm excited about it. And uh, until next time, please remember that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, I'd like to tell you thank you. Thank you for taking your time out of your schedule to listen to our presentation of Twisted Perspectives. I'm your host from Blood of the Lamb Ministries, Jody Coward. Before we go, I'd like to remind you, we sure do welcome your prayer requests, your comments, and even your concerns. You can contact me and my team at jodycoward59 at gmail.com. That's J-O-D-Y-C-O-W-A-R-D-5-9 at gmail.com. And hey, one more thing. 
Be sure you give us a download on our episodes, click our like button, and share our podcast with your friends and family. And I'd like to thank you, brothers and sisters, for your faithful support of our podcast and of our ministry. And until next time, remember, Revelation 12:11 says, We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen, hallelujah, and praise be to Jesus.